You're listening to the Quicker Than Fast podcast with your hosts, Michael and Robert Hardwick. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Quicker Than Fast Podcast to stay up to date on NFL news, information regarding episodes, and to join the conversation. And why not hit that like and share button on our Facebook page? And thank you for your support. Ladies and gentlemen, pull out your hair ties. It's time to let your hair down and truly get funky. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 38 of the Quicker Than Fast podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Hardwick, joined by my brother, Robert. Yo. And we're here, we're back, episode 38. We're talking about NFL offseason winners and losers, um, as well as some early NFL bets that we're getting off of DraftKings. So if you are into um, you know, placing a few bets on this upcoming season, we want to give you some updated numbers, some lines, some something to consider as we get uh, you know closer to the start of the NFL season. But we're going to give you our top five um, winners, top five losers uh, from the NFL offseason. Um, but like we like to do to kick off these episodes, uh, we like to go through our news and notes from around the league. Uh, I think, you know, we'll just kind of start it off right away. Jerry Judy, yep. um, kind of give me the update what you saw on Jerry Judy. Yeah, it looked like all charges have been tro- or dropped in Denver against Jerry Judy. I know there was some things was around the draft that kind of came up, um, arrested. I didn't know all the details necessarily of it. A lot of it didn't come out right then, but charges dropped, so it's good for the Broncos. be interesting to see, you know, if the NFL kind of does their own investigation into it and if it ends up in a couple-game suspension or not. But it's good for the Broncos moving forward. Obviously need him week one with the tough division. He can't afford to not have everybody on the field. Yeah, it didn't sound like Broncos were too concerned. It was a situation where I think Jerry Judy took the phone from a – uh, I think the mother of his child or something. And so there was a d- potential domestic dispute and he took the phone. So then there was messing with evidence and um, they ended up dismissing it. And, and the Broncos came out, I think saying that they're not worried, you know, and um, they see a bright future for him ahead. So I, I doubt, you know, the NFL will do anything, but you're not, you know, you never know. Uh, one other thing I just, you know, popped up recently, I believe another lawsuit might be filed uh, against Deshaun Watson, another civil suit. I don't know much about that. That was pretty recent. Uh, I believe today as we're recording, it just happened about an hour ago. I got that. So another thing to keep a watch on if there's going to be more of these, if it's just, you know, money grabs or what, but, you know, we get something to, to keep an eye on. Um, but I'll let Robert talk about this one. Aaron Rodgers is, again, absent from OTAs. As a Packers fan, maybe you know more than I do, but uh, why would he not be in at OTAs right now working with these new wide receivers? Yeah, it's his relaxing season. Um, he's actually in Vegas, I think, getting ready oh, for, for that the, golf tournament, for the, the match. match with Mahomes and Josh Allen, I think. Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Brady. Yep, and so obviously preparing for that right now. Um, I have no real concerns with it right now as long as he does arrive early, though. Um, this is kind of his time to rest, relax, get ready for the season don't necessarily want him out there throwing as many passes as, you know, it takes an OTAs to get used to those wide receivers. You don't want him to be, you know, lagging as he gets older into the regular season. So it's not a huge concern, but obviously he's going to have to be present earlier than he normally is to try to get some, you know, relationship building with, you know, Watson and Dobbs. Dobbs? Yeah, Romeo Dobbs. Dobbs. And trying to get ready for the season. So yeah, uh, no. I know I'll be tuning tuning into the golf match because I always like to watch those. Obviously, guys that aren't professionals in it, but hopefully he arrives sooner than later. Yeah, and some new offensive line pieces as well. You know, you get to that rhythm working together. And new offensive coordinator. I mean, yep. again, you lose two of your offensive coaching staff members to, to you know, in division team. Or I guess the Broncos got one. But then you lose one of the Bears, I believe, as well. So 
you know, you have to you have to hope that he gets back and, and can build some of that chemistry up with those guys. And I know David Bakhtiari is also not present either. So maybe he'll, you know, show up just when Rodgers shows up. But just something, of course, always to keep an eye on. I know it's always drama-filled time with, with Rodgers. But you'd like to see him in earlier than later. Um, the one that just came out today, Akeem Nix, former Chicago Bears uh, to the Bucks, And it, kind of an under-the-radar under radar move, not really getting talked about a lot, but Robert, I, we think this is significant. Yeah, Akeem Hicks was great for the Bears. I mean, he got after Aaron Rodgers. He hated playing him. Same with everybody in the NFC. He goes there with the Dominican Sioux. They kind of can cycle people through. They're kind of older in their careers. But Vita think, Vea will yeah, still lead I, that I line. I think he's going to be a dominant force on that line. All you add is a great pass rush to already a great team. So that's a huge signing, obviously, after the years with the Bears and kind of struggling. He's looking for a championship, and I think he found a team that can make a deep run. I think you know you, you talk about in the NFC. You've got the you got the Buccaneers, you've got the Rams, you got the Packers, really as favorites in the NFC. And what the Buccaneers are doing currently, um, and I know it's hard to repeat. The Rams will be. I think the Buccaneers are going to be the favorites pretty soon to me. For me, um, you know maybe out of the NFC with the with the moves like Akeem Hicks. Um, some changes to the uh, injured reserve, the IR rules. Um, is something that came out recently, and I thought I'd just let you know because you might not have seen this. But traditionally, or, or in at least last season, the IR uh, was – if, if a player went on the IR, they had to be out at least three games and they could get activated off the IR. And there was an unlimited amount of players that could go onto the IR. Teams were definitely abusing that, kind of putting players on there to open up roster spots, and just really a lot of transaction shuffling, and teams had a hard time tracking all this. So the rules have changed now. It's a minimum four games on the IR, and you're only allowed eight players on the IR. So it's going to significantly cut down on the IR players. I think you're going to see that more for just those people um, that are out for those long seasons. Like, you know, J.K. Dobbins last year, Gus Edwards. The Ravens would have had eight players on the IR in a heartbeat last year. Yeah, other sports kind of go along. That's not necessarily the cap of what it is, but the guidelines of you have to be out for a certain amount of time. MLB, 10-day, 15-day deals, 60-day deals, those types of things. So it's about time the NFL does because, you yeah, you just have teams that stack rosters until they sort it out. So I think it'll be fair across the NFL that, you know, every team will have to start making those decisions. Yeah, and I, I think I saw in the news today, you know, that it is the 100-day to kickoff, Robert. What do you want to see in the next 100 days, or what are you looking forward to most with 100 days till the NFL kickoff? What's the anticipation of getting into double digits? Obviously, it seems like a lifetime once – you know, the Super Bowl ends until preseason starts. And then once preseason starts, we complain the game or complain the games aren't very good, but just need to be happy that they're there. Um, obviously, June and July are kind of dark times in the NFL world. You're kind of in between the draft, obviously, and uh, the start of the season. But I, I think there's a lot of things still left, left to happen. Um, obviously, we had Clowney signing not too long ago. There's yeah, still the Julio Browns. Jones out there. Yep. There's still a lot of players that are very good players that can make impact that are still out there. So, again, don't sleep on, you know, the summertime and the NFL. There's still a lot that can happen. And just, you know, with 100 days to kick off, I'm, I'm looking at, like, your your beat reporters, the people that are in the cities, talking about, you know, I'm not trying to over, or overhype the, okay, this guy's looking good. He's in the best shape of his life, things like that. But more the injury news. You know, we had Rashad Penny already dealing with a hamstring issue. We, I'm looking for those sorts of things of seeing, like, is Michael Thomas healthy? You know, what what can we – you know, for me, Jalen Hurts was hurt towards the end of the year last year, had some ankle problems. How is that ankle looking at this point? You know, are players coming in overweight? I saw Najee Harris is up from 230 pounds to 244 pounds. Like, and it's pure muscle. Like, And those are the things that I'm looking for at this time of the year. Yeah, and for me, I look at, like, these quarterbacks that are looking to take the next step. What do you hear from those beat reporters that are seeing it? Practice and – Trey Lance. Trey Lance. One. Is it true – 
you know, that he's struggling with certain things. Obviously, he's got the physical game, but, you know, is he reading things correctly? Is he able to make all the throws? My big one is Zach Wilson. Obviously, you know, the Jets kind of invested everything into this draft, made great picks in our opinion. But is he ready to take that next step? Because obviously with injuries last year, but he looked like he was just not ready for the NFL at times. So that's the big piece for me is these rookies coming in. Do you start to hear buzzes of, you know what, he's – well, the, all these wide receivers, is he Justin Jefferson? You start to hear these little things. So I love those little rumors. Obviously, some of them can be lies, but those are the things I start to look for, you know, as we reach these dark times during the NFL. And me too. I mean, what, the quarterback battles, the thing, you know, we're going to have Desmond Ritter, Marcus Mariota. We're going to have Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, there's the, a couple the around the league. Panthers with Sam Darnold, yeah. Matt Corral, those types of things where you wouldn't go, I'm going to invest myself in that. But you should get excited between those because those are futures of franchises, you know, that are really trying to correct the ship. And let's be real, the biggest quarterback battle, Big Dick Nick going to Indianapolis with Matt, Matt Ryan. Ryan. Uh, I mean, not all jokes aside, I think it's a great move for them in the backup. I think the quarterback killer, Nick Foles. Two, two veteran quarterbacks I think would get along well. You know, Nick Foles knows his time is, as is a backup at this point. And, and if something were to happen to Matt Ryan at his age, you know, a suitable backup could come into play. Who knows Frank Reich and everything. So – um, but you know, that's what I look forward to the NFL. I'm just, you know, at least we have college football that's going to be on the horizon as well, but the NFL hundred days, be excited for that. Yeah. The only thing to add to what's going on kind of right now, news and notes is a lot of things going on with the Rams. I know there's a lot of talks of retirements and those types of things when the Super Bowl ended. A lot of it's just negotiating out in public. So you can kind of get the upper hand there. A lot of things have been said by Aaron Donald here, you know, this week about, it's not about the money. Um, and all of a sudden, it is about the money. I know he wants a long-term contract. He is a little bit older for his position. What kind of productivity are you going to get? Or are you paying for what he's done in the past? So I think the Rams, who kind of, again, sold their soul to be able to win these Super Bowls, are kind of facing dilemmas right now of who do we pay and how much do we pay. And Aaron Donald, he is, I mean, he's the best defensive player I probably have, have seen. I, I mean, we've got great ones. The Ed Reeds, Ray mm-hmm. Lewis's, you know, Patrick Willis's. Um, Troy Palomalas, I and mean, you could go down the list of all these Darrell Rivas. Um, but I think for what Aaron Donald has done with his size and, and kind of being undervalued, you know, in the draft, but then coming out and being as dominant, probably the best defensive player since Lawrence Thomas or Lawrence Taylor, yeah. in my opinion. Um, but it, it's so important. I was looking at DraftKings today at the odds, they don't have defensive player of the year right now available to bet on because Aaron Donald is the favorite if yeah. he's healthy or if he's playing. So that just shows you, you know, this guy, how important he is to the league. Yeah, and to not get in depth on, you know, specific teams, but I heard it on a sports talk show today, and it was a great point. Of every other defender that's been great in history, you have to try to figure out where they are on the field. Aaron Donald's right in front of your face every play. You Triple know where, teamed. Yeah, you know where he's coming from, where he is, so it's not like he's blitzing from the linebacker spot. Now he's on the left, now he's on the right. So it makes him so dominant of – He's right over my center, and he's going to run him over and run the other two guys over helping and get to me. So something to put in perspective as you look over the last couple of years and go, yeah, he's special, but go look at video. I mean, he wrecks triple teams. Yeah, he, he just reminds – I mean, he's the Jerry Rice of defense to me. It's, the you know, Jerry Rice, they, they knocked his speed, They you know, small school, those sorts of things. There was always a knock on Jerry Rice, and he just – he outworked every single person, and that's Aaron Donald to me, but you're right. You know, the people know where he's at. He's going to be lining up the right end or, you know, spot, and he's going to blitz you, and and he's going to get to the quarterback. And it's just – he's a disruptor. Strahan was the same way, but Strahan also had these, you know, accompanying pieces to help kind of clear up that a little bit. Yeah, and on the Dan Patrick show, they talked about it. Like, how do you go try to find a player like uh, Donald – or, yeah, Donald? 
is you go, I'm going to find somebody really undersized and hope to God that they turn out. And you're kind of seeing that a little bit like Trevon Walker and these types of things with guys that don't necessarily go, that's who I want as my starter. But you go, maybe he's Aaron Donald. Yeah. And so you got a lot of undersized guys getting drafted high because of Donald. Well, and the difference between Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis, you know, the Packers yeah. draft Devontae Wyatt, smaller guy, had some physical comparisons to Aaron Donald. Yeah. Eagles get Jordan Davis at six, you know, oh, whatever, oh, and east of 360 human. pounds. So it just, I think they're traditional, you know, Aaron Donald, I think, changed the position, and that's why he's so important. Last thing to add, Cardinals got announced as the in-season hard knocks team. We have the Lions for preseason. We're really excited about the Lions. Yep. Uh, I think the Cardinals are a fun team to watch in season. You're going to have a lot of drama with Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins. J.J. Watt's going to be fun to watch. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, and then, you know, just add in that, you know, it's hopefully a competitive team. I, I have some doubts, but a, a division where you're playing the Rams and you're playing uh, the 49ers four times that year. If they start filming early, you'll get a lot of wins and success. That's kind of what the Cardinals do. To add into the Cardinals news, Jeff Gladney passes away. Yep, condolences, defense, friends you know, and family. So kind of trying to you know, rejuvenate his career after being with the Vikings. First round pick, what was that, 2000? That was just two, three years ago. Yeah, so obviously a lot of life left ahead of him. But 25 years yeah. old, car crash, and it's just, yeah, it's sad to see. You hope that, you know, it was, he was a player I really liked coming out of, out of TCU. TCU. I thought he was a perfect fit for the Vikings. If you go back. To, to episodes we had i have said it that he was a perfect fit for the minnesota vikings um unfortunately it didn't work and and i thought he was going to have a chance at the cardinals but you know we'll uh we'll try to move to some happier news happier notes next time you know or, or at least end on that but uh we will now turn to our offensive or our nfl offseason winners uh we have a top five list of course we could go through honorable mentions all day uh, but really we wanted to just give you a, a top five list so we didn't drag it on too long we've talked in detail in other episodes, who we thought won the draft, how we thought the, the free agency period turned out. So if you're really interested in more specifics on those two areas, go back to previous episodes. Yeah, and I want to start this one because everybody will say it's a homer pick. We started at number five, put the Eagles in here. Michael wanted to take them off the list, but I said leave them in. The offseason with A.J. Brown, the trade, uh, they needed a number two wide receiver. He will be number one currently. Really bad to a, com or a company – or uh, Devonta Smith. Smith. Um, they needed that bad. Obviously, it failed with some drafts in the past. You get Jordan Davis there. So this is a pick of mine um, that Michael wanted to eliminate. But I think they're making all the right moves in a, in a weak NFC that they can go, you know, what if Jalen Hurts is what we think he is, that they can make a Super Bowl run. And so I love the moves that they make. And, you know, some reflection of going, we've made some bad picks in the past. But how can we correct those in the future? And I think it's it's similar to a team we're going to talk about even higher on this list, but they put themselves in a position saying, we need to know what we have in our quarterback, a guy who we think is very talented, a guy who we drafted and forced the quarterback out yeah. that we thought was a franchise guy. We need to put enough around him to see if he's our, our pick because we have two first-round picks next year. That's part of the win of this offseason was they're, they're moving around their transactions to have two picks this year, also have two picks next without year in the first. Without losing anybody. Without losing anybody, kind of gaining A.J. Brown in, yeah. in it all. But, yeah, they, they bring in Cam Jurgens on the, the offensive line to help bolster and Bradbury. replace. Yeah, replace Jason Kelsey. They signed James Bradbury. Our, that's probably the best number two we've had in years. Um, and then, obviously, Jordan Davis, as you mentioned, re-signing a couple people like Josh Sweat on the defensive line. If they can go out and get a safety uh, just as a backup role, uh, with Anthony Harris there, with Kayvon Wallace there. They love Mar Marcus Epps, a player that they probably will be playing a lot this year. I really thought they were going to get Tyron Matthew. Yeah. I thought he was going there, and obviously, you know, New Orleans is home for him. 
But I, I just, I feel, and I've never felt this way about the Eagles, but I feel like they're making steps in the right direction. Obviously, with mirroring what Dallas has as their strengths and going, how can we, you know, neutralize that? But I, I think the Eagles are taking steps in the right direction and not looking back at certain paths or certain things of drafts and going, we missed on those and yep. correcting them. And there's rumors that they're interested in Chuck Clark, a safety at the the Ravens, who's been a, he's you know tw- he's a Philly native. Uh, at 26 or 27 come in and play. But the big rumor is that they could have interest in Jesse Bates, who's refusing at this point to play on his franchise tag. For the Bengals. For the Bengals. So we'll see what happens there. But um, I'm happy to see that the Eagles do make this list for the first time in a while. Uh, But we'll move to number four, an AFC East team in the New York Jets. And we've talked about them as a draft winner. But, Robert, why don't you break down why we think the Jets had such a good offseason? Yeah, and if you're the Jets fan, every offseason you're winning your Super Bowl. I mean, they – they have good drafts. Things just don't pan out. It doesn't seem like you can find your quarterback. But Michael and I talked about this. Is they had the best draft by anybody in the NFL this year. I mean, every pick they had, they just absolutely killed it by taking best available. It was there. I just I, – I need to see the next step from Zach Wilson. Michael and I talked about this off-air earlier kind of too about what it looks like for the future of these quarterbacks. But I, I, I think they put the pieces in place to go – Again, is Zach Wilson our future going forward? Because if we have a top three pick again next year and it doesn't look like it, we got to get somebody else. So I know Jets, you kind of go every year we're top five, top five, top five, and you're in a tough division with the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Patriots. But I do think it's moving in a direction where you're not building just based off quarterback. You're building a good foundation as a team that whether it's Zach Wilson or somebody else, you can plug in and be you know competitive in the future. Yeah, not only do they have an incredible draft, and again, we broke that down in, in- – Great detail on uh, previous episodes. But I thought they had a really good free agency period that's under the radar, too. They bring in DJ Reed, a cornerback that they desperately needed. Um, they bring in Lakin Tomlinson, a guard that they desperately needed as well. Um, they bring in uh, CJ Uzama, and they bring in um, Tyler Conklin at tight end, a position that was desperately needed. So I think that team's going to – you know they, they built both in free agency and in the draft. And also, you know, I think the Jamal Adams trade is really paying dividends for them long term did carl Lawson? does he return this year from injury i believe he ter- returns from injury because this he was, year. i mean yep. there was a lot of hype around him last year coming in gets hurt right and, away yeah he tore his acl i think it was right off the bat and so obviously didn't help that defense but i think there is obviously a lot there going forward where you've kind of reached the perfect balance of we're drafting defense and offense and trying to build you know a whole team instead of trying to find one individual piece that needs fixed and so i do have hopes I, I obviously think they probably drafted the top five next year just based off a of division, but I think the games that you watch for the Jets are more competitive than they have been in the past. And that's the key, right? You might you might win six games is all or something, but if they're more competitive games, that's the step you want to be taking. You want to see strides. You don't want to have to be drafting a quarterback again. You mm-hmm. hope that Wilson can be the guy. But I just I really like what they did this year. And again, if you're just going to look at the offseason in a vacuum, it's hard not to love what the New York Jets have done. Uh, we're staying in the division here, and this is the team I kind of teased earlier, the Miami Dolphins. We have at number three. Um, you know, this is more free agency and transactions in the offseason oriented because they didn't have the draft picks, but that's because they go out and get arguably the best wide receiver in football, at least top five in Tyree Kill, to add to the wide receiver core uh, with um, Alabama wide receiver slipping my mind right now. Anyways, um, they go out also, they bring in, Taron Armstead at left tackle that they desperately needed as well. Um, 
I don't know. In the running backs, I mean, go ahead and talk about the running backs yeah. they brought in. But to me, Chase Edmonds is the biggest one or biggest one they brought in. Look at what he did in comparison last year with the Cardinals with James Conner. So if you put him in with anything they have, it's going to be you know a beneficial thing. They bring in old 49ers. Bring Mostert. Mostert in. Um, I just I think they're moving in the right direction. As I sit sit and think about the moves that they are making, I look at it as did they make these moves in anticipation for Tom Brady to become a minority owner with the Dolphins? I mean, it, it obviously didn't work out, but obviously trying to be viable within the league of we want to make more money, we want it to benefit our owners. I know there's issues with Steven Ross and, you know, did we tank games? But this all sets up, obviously, for is Tua our quarterback of the future, like we talked about with Jalen Hurts. They're putting the weapons around him. Sometimes you watch videos, it looks like Tyree Kills catching fair catches off punts because Tua is underthrowing him. We'll see. I think obviously they're going to use Sim for slants and sweeps and those types of things to try to help Tua. Tua didn't have a weak arm at Alabama. I think he just has to gain the confidence of getting it down the field. But in the offseason, I think they made strides going forward of we're putting a team together. If Tua doesn't work, we can plug in a Tom Brady type of situation with Tampa and then be prepared for the future. Yeah, and I was, I was talking about Jalen Waddle, and I don't know why that yeah, slipped that my mind. Me too, so. I don't know why that slipped my mind. I was there, thinking but... about the recent Alabama wide receivers yeah. that came out the draft. So, but you, you know, they, they bring in Tyreek Hill to go along with Jalen Waddle. They bring in Cedric Wilson, a guy I've always liked at the Cowboys. I mentioned Teron Armstead. You know that he's one of the best left tackles in football. Still at a young age to solidify the line. Connor Williams. They also bring him in. Uh, I, I like him as a guard. Connor Williams is a that left tackle, left guard combos is scary good. Not to mention, we talked about previously, they bring in Melvin Ingram as well. Yeah. Um, they were, and yeah, they just were bringing in these players that have experience in the NFL. And, you know, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, Chase Edmonds, well, all brand I, new running backs. That's what I was going to mention. Their starter last year is fourth string right now in the running backs. So that was the biggest killer last year for two, it was not having a steady running game. So I think that's what will benefit him most is having three guys that are experienced that you can run the ball with with an improved offensive line. And I think the biggest thing here we're overlooking too is just Mike McDaniel as a head coach. They're bringing in a fun uh, offensive you know, genius uh, to, to spice up this offense a bit. Again, like I mentioned, Jalen Hurts, they're surrounding him with talent. Is he the guy? They're doing the same thing right now with Tua. They've got multiple draft picks next year to be able to say, if not, we are ready to to, to rebuild our you know our quarterback and then keep adding maybe to the defense a bit. But I just I think the it just it the Jets are in a tough division or the Dolphins obviously we talked about the Jets being more competitive Patriots are the Patriots uh, and then you have the Bills who are just the AFC favorites yep. so it's going to be tough for them to get into the playoffs but um, I think if this team does it's one of the faster teams and one of the more potent offenses that we see in the NFL yep. uh, we move now the Indianapolis Colts this one might not be on a lot of people's top five radar uh, for offseason winners but I think you have to start first with quarterback Matt Ryan yeah obviously. Michael kind of mentioned this off the air is they kind of fell into Matt Ryan. I think they wanted other quarterbacks in those situations, but I just, I, I think it's a great fit for them and what they're looking for. Um, a guy that won't check out of plays to Jonathan Taylor, like Carson Wentz supposedly did a big thing with that is Stefan Gilmore too. If you can get him in the secondary there and him be even half of what he was with the Patriots back in the day with that defense, I think you're set up for great success. I think they wish they had that last year in an AFC that, you know, was good, but obviously it kind of stumbled through. Now it's a stacked AFC. I think the Colts obviously win their division easy. But what can they do in the playoffs? Matt Ryan at times is kind of shaky, you know, when things get tough. But 
I, I think they did what they needed to do to hopefully get over that hump that ownership is looking for. And they had a good draft with the limited picks that they had, you know, after the Carson Wentz trade, but they bring in Alec Pierce at a wide receiver, a true number two type uh, Bernard Raymond. We've talked about as a, yep. as a tackle prospect that, yeah, he might not be day one starter for him, but you know, by mid season, maybe he overtakes that job. A little older and mature. So yeah. hopefully he can plug and play. Jelani Woods, a tight end, that team's going to always be running two tight end sets. I thought he was a good fit for him there. Um, and then Robert mentioned some of the free agency moves with like Stefan Gilmore, um, as well as trading to get Yannick and Gakwe. Um, I think this defense is set up to be a top five, borderline top five defense with an offense that is going to be so balanced that they're going to make teams. Just don't turn the ball. Away. Yeah, they're going to make teams every week be honest with what either they're going to be run or pass heavy. Um, but we really like what that team's doing in a division, I think, that is ripe for the taking um, with the Titans being on the back end of what we think as an offseason winner or loser. And with quarterback issues there, yeah. obviously. So. so I think in a weaker division, this team could come out as a playoff favorite. Unfortunately, they're in a really tough AFC as a whole. Yeah, and we'll talk about this down the road as we kind of do power rankings as we look at things. But I think that, you know, they could be a team in the NFC that has a first-round bye just based off of divisions. That obviously benefits them if they get to play in Indianapolis and have home field advantage. But that's for future episodes. Yeah, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with our number one team. And we're back now to give you our number one team of our off-season winner, and that is the L.A. Chargers, a team that we thought started off with a bang with free agency. They go out, first off, trade for Khalil Mack, uh, a pass rusher they've def desperately needed ever since Melvin Ingram left, who I think could have more of an impact than Melvin Ingram did. You have two pass rushers now in their prime and Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. But talk about J.C. Jackson and what he means for that team. Yeah, it kind of locks down the secondary that's been burnt over the last couple of years. Their defense has just struggled in general. Um, it's kind of become a Chargers joke of, you know, it's going to be 40s to 40s game because they just can't stop a nosebleed. They identified that. and They're trying to make those changes. Unfortunately, they fall into a division with the Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Broncos, where have all improved. I mean, the Chiefs, you could say what you will about losing Tyree Kill, but, I mean, they, they're making improvements and filling those gaps too, but it's such a tough division. You know, you got to be able to stop those offenses. So J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, all those guys coming in, those are big steps in the right direction. A lot of people go, you need to go wide receiver offensively. At some point, you can only put up so many points. So I, I think they made the moves necessary to try to win the division. Yeah, and it's finally, you know, a true number one on that team. I love Michael Davis. They have it as a number two corner. but And then being able to throw um, Asante Samuel Jr. into the yeah. slot. They're three starting cornerbacks. It might be the best trio in the NFL as a corner group. But the underrated signing, underrated signing to me is Sebastian Joseph Day from the Rams. Yeah. Again, you have the head coach. Um, in Brand, uh, Brandon Staley, previously from the Rams, defensive coordinator, who knew Sebastian Joseph Day there. And Sebastian Joseph Day is a guy that can clog up that middle and allow your edges in um, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa to really get to the quarterback. Yeah, a lot of the issues that come with the defense, obviously, is a lot of injuries in the past. I mean, Derwin James, probably one of the top safeties in the league if he can stay healthy, just doesn't ever stay healthy. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr. was having a great year last year before he got injured. So, that's the biggest thing is everybody always jumps on the Chargers every year if it's time for them to go to the Super Bowl. Injuries always decimate them, not unlike everybody else in the NFL, but hopefully they can stay healthy so we can truly see what that team is. And it's one of those defenses you're like, I'd love to get them in fantasy football too, yeah. but then you got two games against the Chiefs, two against the Broncos, yeah. two against the Raiders, games where I really don't want to have them, but if they're as good as they're supposed to be with depth and guys like Troy Reader at linebacker, Kyle Van Noy at linebacker, um, they've got Bryce Callahan, the former Bronco nickelback, yeah. who one of the better nickelbacks in football. They've got depth now 
um, that they haven't had in the past. So if an injury were to occur, but let's not forget offensive side of the ball, they bring in Zion Johnson mm-hmm. out of the draft versatile guard to now go with a Corey Lindsley um, and a Rashawn Slater on the offensive mm-hmm. line. They bring in Isaiah Spiller, the running back out of Texas A&M, finally a true backup to Austin Eckler. And then of course, re-signing Mike Williams. Yep. That's just a big move to solidify as a wide receiver too. Hopefully injuries don't plague this team because I really do think there's high, high potential for this Chargers team. Do you have anything else to say on our offense or our uh, offseason winners? No, I, uh, it was it was something we had to discuss, obviously, and kind of get some teams away. Obviously, you know, kind of honorable mentions. We won't go through them, but, you know, the Steelers, the Browns, obviously a lot of legal issues going on right there. But getting so, a guy like Sean Watson yeah, and So, so those teams were discussed in there. So this was, you know, a combined top five for both of us. Yeah, we knew, we moved now to our offseason losers. These are just offseasons that we thought were a disaster. Um, and it's funny, we have teams on here maybe who have historically been strong teams, teams that have been, you know, borderline contenders year in and year out. Uh, but this team, is that's not the case. And we've talked about it mainly on the draft episode um, about how, you know, we weren't fans of their their draft, but it also spilled into their free agency moves, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh Robert, you were telling me this off the air, but what's your opinion when teams make as many splash signings as they did? Yeah, if you look historically on, you know, the people that are most active in free agency right off the bat and pay the most don't have the success. Uh, the Jets are in it a lot, the Jaguars, those types of teams that don't make steps forward because you're overpaying for people because you feel like you have to make some sorts of move. It just doesn't work out. Obviously, I wasn't big on the Jaguars draft with Trevon Walker. They got Devin Lloyd there, which I think will be a good player. He's but you, a very good pick. Yep. You lose uh, Miles Jack. Miles Jack, which is huge on that team. I just I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is ready to take that next step. And you take you know the pay or overpaying on Christian Kirk, which obviously reset the wide receiver market. We've seen the effects of that afterwards. But I don't think that they made moves with quality payer or players and paid them what they're truly worth. And I think it's going to affect them now and long term. Yeah, I just I, I you look at their depth chart and the signings that they made and the amount of money that they spent to surround uh, Trevor Lawrence. But you know your wide receiver, your starting wide receiver core is Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Marvin Jones. Yeah. None of those guys are true true number ones. Now this is also one of those classes that could come back and bite you and say Zay Jones was fully unleashed here, or Christian Kirk finally had a chance. You know Evan Ingram, they they signed here. Maybe getting out of New York was a, a good move for him. I will say bringing in Brandon Sheriff from Washington on the offensive line was a big move. I do think they have a very underrated offensive line. Um, I do think they could have benefited from another one in the draft. But um, I think defensively, it it all starts with the Trevon Walker pick. I think we look at this a little different if Aiden Hutchinson's there. Because I do like Devin Lloyd. I do like Chad Muma. Um, You know, at corner, they they still have Shaquille Griffin uh, and then Darius Williams, the former Ram. But I just think overall, you spend that much money um, you're already, you know, onto a new head coach in Doug Peterson, who, of course, I have to like. But you just question whether this team spent a bunch of money to be average at best. Yeah, when LaCron Treadwell is your number two, I mean, in depth chart, but it's it's not good. So I I just look at their offseason and go, you know, say say Christian Kirk works out, the offense gets a little bit better. That defense is so bad that I, I don't think it matters what they did offensively. I just I think there's such a gap between even an average NFL defense and what the Jaguars are right now. And I think, yeah, I think, you know, this team, again, in two years, you could look and say Trevon Walker was what he was supposed to be. Devin Lloyd showed to be Miles Jack light. Um, you know, Josh Allen is still a great pass rusher. You know, they have some some young players there that could, you know, reach their potential. Or you could go like the Caleb on Chase on route where they draft him high 
and he doesn't really work out. But this team to me is two years away from really being a playoff team. And was it worth spending that much money in free agency? Or would you like to see maybe uh, just solidify offensive line, solidify defensive line, uh, and then build, you know, through the draft and acquiring uh, maybe more assets and picks uh, to continue to get younger and, and build for the future. Um, but, you know, I have to say, I hope Trevor Lawrence does make that jump. It's great to see great quarterbacks in the NFL. They're in a weak division, so it's one of those teams that will you be surprised by a Jaguars team? I already see people wanting to think that they're the Bengals of next year where, you know, you've got this young quarterback and they spend all this money to make a jump. Don't go that far. I don't think that's what the Jaguars are, are bound to do. But we'll go to a team that doesn't normally make a list of offseason losers, and that's the New England Patriots, Robert. Give me just your overall thoughts on the Patriots and your overall feeling like coming away from this offseason going into next year. Yeah, this team will be quick, or pretty quick just because they didn't address needs that they had. Linebacker, pass rusher, those types of things that they didn't really address. They didn't, in my opinion, find a true number one wide receiver, which Mac Jones needs. I know they want to run the ball. There was just a lot of question marks left afterwards. I know they got Parker from the Dolphins, but he's just he's not a number one in my opinion. So and of course, obviously first round draft pick, Cole, Cole Strange. Strange. There was just a lot of question marks when it all was said and done of what direction are they moving? Yep. It, again, it's a it's a team that always makes you look stupid when you go out and you you're you know, I don't think they had a great draft. Well, all it takes is Tyquan Thornton to be this Deshaun Jackson type player who can burn you down the field and really open it up for Mac Jones. Don't think that's the case, but if they do turn around and again have a top five offensive line and run the hell out of the ball and make it so it's hard to 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 keep your uh, defense off the field, and then they play good defense, but you lose J.C. Jackson and you didn't have pass rushers to begin with, and I don't think that they really, you know, reloaded on the defense like you think you'd see. Again, you lose Josh McDaniels. And I'm looking at depth chart right now that shows the offensive coordinator is vacant. Yeah, they, will, they said they won't decide They that. won't announce it. And again, to me, again, you have a young quarterback who needs a, a quarterback, uh, you know, whisperer or somebody in there to help him make that jump. If Bill Belichick's calling offensive plays, I think they're in trouble. Again, I just think the Patriots are very underwhelming. They had a team, I think, that outplayed maybe what they were supposed to do last year. And I think they were in a position if they would have re-signed J.C. Jackson um, and they would have invested on the defensive line. This would be a completely different conversation with the New England Patriots. We move to number three, Robert, and just tell me why we have the Seahawks at number three. Yeah, for me, it's just because they flat out pretty much admitted that they're going to take this next year for a quarterback. Um, you can't tell me going into the season, Geno Smith and Drew Locker, you're one and two battling it out for the starting position. I don't hate their draft on how it finished because they made some good picks, obviously, going forward to the future. But they just – the quarterback position is the biggest question – and you've just flat out admitted that I won't even go the Baker Mayfield route for one year just to try to be sustainable and compete. And I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't hate their draft. I love Kenneth Walker as a player. I think, you know, with Rashad Penny already being a little dinged up and with Chris Carson's neck they, they injury, they had, injuries. they had to get a guy in there um, at Charles Cross, I think will be a suitable starter at left tackle for him. Lucas Abraham, Abraham Lucas will probably be a right tackle starter for him by late in the season. Um, and Boya Mafe, good edge rusher, Kobe Bryant corner. Um, but you go really the, the best pieces they brought in this year were the trade assets for Russell Wilson. None of the trade assets they got for Russell Wilson are will make as much of an impact as Wilson. Shelby Harris at defensive end, a veteran who I really like. Of course, you also bring in Noah Fant um, at tight end in that trade as well. Very good tight end, but who's throwing in the ball? I think right now on the depth chart, you'd have to say it's Geno Smith and Drew Locke has to win that out. But when you're saying that that's your situation uh, in a division that's tough because you have the Cardinals, the Niners, the Rams, 
And the fact that it just seems like Seattle is ready to reload and rebuild, maybe with a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young, you just have to not like what the offseason did here. So we won't spend too much time on it. I do think they're a team that is going to have, I don't know, some of those games that shock you because, you know, they run the hell out of the ball and they just they run for 200 yards or something. They'll play competitive against the Rams and, you know, those teams, Individual that, are teams. To, yeah, that are supposed to be Super Bowl contenders just because they're in division. But overall, you know, I, I wonder how long Pete Carroll – you know, if this is a project where they're, you know, waiting to reload at quarterback and then be three years away, does Pete Carroll last three years? It's it's a, it was a really weird uh, turn for me. I, I I knew Russell Wilson was going to be out at some point, but it just didn't seem like they were too worried about a quick rebuild there. Uh, we'll move now to our number two team, and that's Chicago Bears. You know, this is what I'm talking about, teams that have, you know, historically or at least recently been a competitive team. Bears being in and out of the playoffs, Seahawks in and out of the playoffs, Patriots in and out of the playoffs. Robert, break down a little bit as an NFC North fan what the Chicago Bears are going to look like this year. Yeah, you all know my opinion on Ohio State quarterbacks, but I, I do think Fields, you know, with the right staff around him and the right team around him can really take those steps forward. And they did nothing of that, in my opinion, in this offseason. They didn't go get a number two for Mooney. And is Mooney truly a number one? That's the big question to ask. You get rid of Cleo Mack, Hicks. That defense that's kind of held you together for so long is falling apart just because of financial reasons. I just I don't see what they're doing right now. And I think they end up with a top five pick next year because of how tough the division is. Obviously with the Vikings and Packers, that's a couple losses a year potentially. But I don't think I don't see anything that they're doing to help, you know, Justin Fields take that next step and really grow. I think they're depending on him to try to be the guy that can help develop everything else around him. And I just, I don't think that's the right move. This to me is a very similar situation with the Jets or with Sam Darnold. You draft a quarterback in the top, yep. well, and, and Justin Fields wasn't even a top 10 pick, but they're, I think they're rebuilding, they're reloading, they're saying we're tanking. Yep. But tanking for what? I don't tanking think when you took a quarterback. It's so hard did. to say next year that if you land the number two pick and say the number one picks Bryce, uh, Bryce Young, do you take CJ Stroud at number two or do you go for like Harris, the, linebacker edge i mean yeah. for the for alabama or offensive lineman and pass you know I, it's a it's a really really complex situation i don't know what the bears bears are really thinking it's a conversation that i can't even figure out off the air yeah and to try to expand on that little part of it because obviously we love the draft i think in that situation you trade back take all the pieces try to continue to develop that team but if you don't take a wide receiver to try to help your quarterback in this draft when it's kind of stacked with wide receivers what the hell are you doing because I get you don't have early picks and those types of things, but you just blatantly didn't try to improve your wide receiver core. And, I mean, the the, the free agents you try to get are St. Brown for the Packers that was there. Byron Pringle. But guys that had great quarterbacks. So what you're telling me is the front office of the Bears look at Justin Fields and go, he is Aaron Rodgers or he is Patrick Mahomes, and he can make those wide receivers better which I just don't agree with right now. Yeah, and there, it's not like you're getting these young – Byron Pringle, I believe, is like 27, 28 yeah. years old. I, I would rather have seen them either go take a shot at a 23-year-old, 24-year-old. Well, you're going to tell or, me Dante Pettis, who had who had a run with the 49ers and I thought was going to be great, just absolutely wasn't. That's who you're going to put out there? You got Cole Komet, I get. I like him as a tight end. But you're going to constantly be feeding him, and he is not Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and I know they're going to try to run the ball, but with the kind of offensive line they have, yeah. why not just stack the box? You're going to shut down the Bears every time. I, 
and they don't have the defense to lean on, like you said. And that's the most concerning for me is you got rid of what made you great. Well, the Bears, what made them great for so long was their defense, and it is abysmal at this point. And, yeah, I don't mind some of the draft picks in Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker, but ultimately I think at the end of the day, Bears fans, they're going to be grasping at straws. They're going to try to say – Justin Fields is our hero. And yeah, you're going to have those plays from Justin Fields that make you say, wow, or, you know, he did win, will them to a, a close win or to a win, but I wouldn't get too attached to Justin Fields if I'm a Bears fan. Yeah. And that's a shame to say, because first, like and we've talked about this in, in we've off air a lot. I love Justin Fields. I think he's a hell of a quarterback, but I almost wonder if like, if you're the Seahawks in this position, right. And say you, you are more competitive than you think you don't get one of the top two quarterbacks. Are they a team that like I feel Justin Fields would be a great fit uh, in that system? So maybe Seahawks are looking around saying we're not a bottom four team or to, to yeah. get one of those two quarterbacks. It is a very, very deep quarterback class next year, which we'll talk about in future episodes. So I don't think Justin Fields is a lock to be quarterback at the Bears next year. Yeah, and I get like I hate on Ohio State quarterbacks, and for good reason, not just because I'm a Michigan yep. fan, they just don't produce. But it is nothing nothing against Justin Fields. He's being put up, like you say, with Sam Darnold. He's putting or being put in the face of failure. And again, if you put him on the Seahawks, I have no issues with him because you have talent around you to throw to. He just doesn't right now. Yeah. And Bears easily could have been a number one team, but we are moving now to our number one team, and that is the Washington Commanders. First off, terrible offseason starts with a terrible name choice. I did not like the Washington Commanders to start with. So you start with a, a bad taste in my mouth that the brand isn't going to be there. Then you have an owner who's just abysmal. Yeah. The owner needs to be out of there. They need to vote him out. Um, this guy's, you know, hemorrhaging money out. He's, he's, he's. They have two sets of books that they're just yeah. throwing money back and forth. He obviously in his, um, you know, a team that's so focused on political correctness that has an owner like this. It just, it blows my mind that this guy's even owning the team. So off of the field, they already lost it all. Then you go in your first move, uh, you know, a quick move and spending picks that apparently nobody else was willing to spend to go get Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. When now you look around the league, Jimmy Garoppolo on this team would look a lot better. Baker Mayfield on this team would probably look a lot better. Yep. Um, again, I don't think they maybe thought the draft would turn out the way it would be. But to me, Matt Corral, I would rather have Malik Willis there yep. with like. Yeah, after you see him get him all in the third round. Yeah, I'd rather see one of those second or third round, fourth, you know, Desmond Ritter, these kind of guys over Carson Wentz, because I already think Carson Wentz is going to be a problem there. I know Sam Howell's there, but I think Sam Howell next year could be the start if they don't make a splash. Yeah, you're not going to convince me that Heineke is worse than Wentz. I mean, Wentz, for me, comes down to why he is the number one. Just, he was not good at the end in Philly. He was not good with the Colts. And he had everything that, you know, the commanders don't have with the Colts. A defense, a run game, a line, all of those things, and he couldn't do it against the Jaguars to get into the damn playoffs. So I have nothing against the commanders and what their team is built like. It is two factors that get us into number one, ownership, which you mentioned, and wins. So I just, I don't see, I don't see them winning the division. I don't see them getting into the playoffs. And to me, the draft, like a couple guys I like in Jahan Dotson, um, and I don't mind Mathis, the defensive lineman, but all position and that didn't really impact your team in, in the right way. Bringing in Brian Robinson is a running back I really like, but you have Antonio Gibson, you have J.D. McKissick, and you had Jarrett Patterson, another running back from Buffalo that I liked. And you bring in a guy who's now sitting on your third in the depth chart, and I know Antonio Gibson has some injury issues. 
it and again you have and I know it'll get done, but Terry McLaurin's not even at on OTAs yeah. because he's waiting for a new contract. It'll get taken care of, but your wide receiver groups, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, and Curtis Samuel. One's not at OTAs. One was injured all last yeah. year. And Jahan Dotson is kind of right now a poor man's McLaurin. I really like him, but they said we need to make a splash at wide receiver. We need a, a Garrett Wilson. We need a, uh, a Drake London. They had the chance to get up trade and get back. one of those guys, and they go trade back. So I think you know the team is going to have to rely heavily on a defense which was clicking at the end of the year last yeah. year. I, I had high, high hopes last year thinking they'd be a top three defense. And obviously Chase Young got hurt through the season, but they struggled right out of the gate. And again, they they definitely rebounded towards the end of the year, were more competitive. This is one of those teams, of course, too, that all of a sudden if they're an eight-win team, I wouldn't be surprised. But they would have to rely heavily on a run game and Carson Wentz not to make turnovers, and I'm not putting any money down on Agreed. that. So that's, you know, for us, that's really why the commanders both off the field and on the field lost to us the, the offseason. Um, it's an easy division with an easy schedule. So they might pull out more wins than like the Bears, Seahawks, Jags, just because of the easy schedule um, and the easy division. But overall, I, I just thought that, you know, the commanders, starting with a terrible name, uh, had a really terrible offseason. What we want to do for the last part of this episode is early NFL bets. We like going out and making, you know, going to the casino or, being uh being in a state where we can gamble since it's illegal here in South Dakota where we can make some some early future bets um on the NFL. So according to the uh DraftKings Sportsbook, um I pulled each, you know, the each division in football uh the odds to win the division. Um and we're going to go through these Robert and I want you to just give me your general thoughts. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this. Just find it really interesting if you were a person who likes betting on NFL or you're thinking about doing it this is the time to start thinking about it. Start putting those things together because these numbers, these lines are going to change as we get closer to the year. So we'll start with my NFC East. The Cowboys right now are the favorite at plus 130. Uh, Eagles are at number two at plus 165. Commanders at plus 450. And then the Giants uh, at plus 1,000. Give me your thoughts. Obviously, an easy division this year, but Cowboys, where would you put – I'm the way we're going to play this, you have $1,000 right now to burn. Where are you putting your money in this? Yeah, it's pretty chalk for what we've seen the last couple of years. The only two that rotate are the Eagles and Cowboys or who's going to win year in, year out. Uh, I like how it's stacked right now, but my money would be on the Eagles plus 165. They're at 9.5 right now over under, and I have them going over for wins. And that's the other thing I did too. I pulled some numbers, just a couple uh, win total over-unders. Uh, for the rest or for the, for next year, Cowboys over under ten wins. Robert, where are you putting your thousand dollars? Going under, I think Michael Gallup being number two there. I think they lose a lot with Amari Cooper being gone. Zeke's not what he used to be, and I think there's a lot left to be desired on that defense. And then again, so, Eagles over under nine and a half. Did you say over, over on that one? I think Eagles win the division. Okay, yeah, my money would be on Eagles at plus one sixty five as well. I like the idea of a, a Commanders at four fifty, and then they had the off season. So to me, that that wouldn't be the bet I would make. Uh, we'll move now to the NFC South. There's a strong favorite here at minus 300. You have the Buccaneers at plus 350 are the Saints at plus 1200 are the Panthers. And then at plus 12 or 2,500 um, are the Falcons. So would you take the thousand dollars, put it on the Buccaneers as a surefire thing? Or is there a sleeper here you like? Yeah, my, my thousand dollar bet, obviously with it being negative 300 is not going to be on the box. I'd go plus 350 on the Saints. Their defense gives the Bucks fits at times. Um, if you can even get Jameis Winston to play competent, not turn over, I think, you know, you could be at the same type of level with a weak NFC that the Bucks are. So if you can pull off a win here and there, 
I, I have the Saints going over. They're at eight games right now and over under. I have them, you know, at the nine. Um, the 11 and a half for me is a lot for the Bucks. I would take them at 11 wins. So I, I would take the Saints, though, obviously, at a risk to win that division. Yeah, to me, I have my 1,000 on the Bucks at minus 300 still, and then I would take their over. Um, I would take the over still on the Saints as well, though. But I think that the Buccaneers – they beat the Falcons twice, they beat the Panthers twice, and then they beat the Saints they once. Sure. Um, and that's you know already five wins there towards their almost halfway to that win total. So yeah, I'm with you though. I think you know, you look minus three hundred is not you know the best odds that you could yeah. put your thousand on. But um we'll move now to the AFC North. Uh and this one has the Browns at plus one ninety, uh, has the Bengals at plus two hundred, the Ravens at plus two ten, and the Steelers at eleven plus eleven hundred. Of course, you can't really bet on the over season over under right now um, because of the Deshaun Watson situation. But that's why my money would not go on the Browns. Yeah, my money would go on the Steelers at plus eleven hundred. Um, I think with that defense and improving, if you can get Penny or Kenny Pickett to not turn the ball over like Roethlisberger, they can run the ball. I like what they've done with the wide receiver core. So I think that they could win that division. You see a lot of shuffling in that division at times. The Browns. Obviously, if Watson's not there, fall off. Um, Bengals, I think, take a step back this year. Every team kind of has that Super Bowl hangover, and I'm just not sold on the Ravens. I, I think they have a lot to do still. So Steelers sneaking it out and that division, plus 1,100, give it to me. So over under seven and a half games, are you smashing that over on the Steelers? Yeah, I, I have them going, I think, 11 wins. I think they end up, you know, if Pickett doesn't turn the ball over and can hand it off to Harris and just be competent, I, I think they win a lot of games with that defense. And I thought this was a really interesting line. The Bengals are at over under, or their over unders ten. Yeah, and I'll take the under on it. I think the hangovers there, and everybody's going to be gunning in the AFC for the Bengals since they obviously won the division last year. To me, I think it's a push at ten. I think yeah. they they get to that ten total, but not over. Uh, NFC North uh, Packers are at minus one seventy five with an over under of eleven. Give me your general thoughts with your Packers with that line. Yeah, I, the over under eleven kind of is off for me just because there's so much. With it's been like 13 wins every year. Yeah, I mean, and so I I am hopeful that they hit that 11. I think it's a push at 11 right there. Yep. Um, to me, they don't necessarily win the division. If we get into training camp and I start to see some stuff that maybe it looks good, I will take them just based off what their defense is doing. I know Michael is going to be shit that I go, the Vikings are going to win the division because I obviously want to be on record for that. Right now, I think that they are both at kind of the same level of record. But I would probably put that money elsewhere right now just based off of not knowing what that wide receiver core is. Now I've got the Vikings at plus 275, Lions at plus 1,000, Bears at plus 1,000, and then you have over-unders on both the Lions and Bears at 6.5. Yeah, so if I had my $1,000, again, this is where I would take a risk and I would take the Lions at plus 1,000. Um, I like the direction they're going. I've said I think they're a wild-card team. If Aaron Rodgers gets injured, knock on wood, it doesn't happen. If the Vikings suffer the same injuries they do, the Lions sneak in and win the division. I don't know, um, but this is one of the divisions I would take my risk on. Yeah, I think I think me my my bet would be the Vikings at two uh, uh, plus two seventy five. I think that the over under I think over on six and a half for the Lions and under six and a half on the Bears. Uh, AFC West Chiefs are plus one seventy five as the favorites. Chargers plus two twenty five. We just talked about their off season. Their over under is ten. So just those top two teams. What do you think there? Yeah, I, I think it's just interchangeable, obviously, in this division where you can put them. I, I think the Chiefs, obviously, just being the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes is obviously going to be the highest. But my pick at this is the bottom of the list. 
I'll let you go through what you have for the last two. Yeah, we got Broncos at 250 uh, and then the Raiders at plus 650. And I'm with you. I think Raiders at plus 650 is, is the best sleeper here in the list. Yeah, it's going to be such a back-and-forth battle through that division that I think, again, if you have 1000 bucks plus 650, put it on it and let it ride for the season. Yeah, my only fear with the Broncos is that defense is going to be a little too leaky and it might be off to a slow start with Russell Wilson. But uh, we'll move to the AFC South. We have the Colts at minus 125. Uh, Titans at plus 170, Jags at plus 700, Texans at plus 3,000. Robert, I wish we would have done this about a month ago because that Colts line was really good about a month ago. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think you got to take the Colts here just because the division is, but this is another place if somebody gave me $1,000 and says make something stupid, I would go with the Texans. Just I like Davis Mills. They've been doing things that just slowly improve the team, not big drastic changes. But if Matt Ryan goes down in that division – it is a free-for-all, and I, I don't trust Ryan Tannehill right now. Yeah, I, I think my my money would either be Colts at minus 125, even though that's not great odds, but Texans at 3,000, yeah, I actually really like. But I think um I think I don't have their win total in front of me, but the Texans are around six games, and I think that they could win more than six games yeah, this year. I, I, I'd put them at seven, so I would take the over-under. Yeah, and the over-under on the Titans and Jags are both at nine. I think Jags definitely under nine. Titans, I think, probably push nine or close yeah. to. Uh, and the last thing we're going to talk about here is a few future awards for the players. Uh, we're going to talk about the offensive player of the year, of course, was Cooper Cup last year, and he repeats as the favorite at plus 800, and then you had Jonathan Taylor at 850. Between those two as the one and two, where would you like to put your money? Yeah, I'd take Jonathan Taylor. I think, obviously, Cup's going to get more attention. Jonathan Taylor's going to get a lot more consistent handing off the ball with Matt Ryan, so that's where I'd put my money. Now, I went down and looked at two of my favorites that have lower odds here. At plus two, uh, 2,800 is Justin Je- Justin Jefferson, and then Travis Kelsey is at plus 3,000. Now, would you rather put money safe, your 1,000 safe on Cooper Cup at 800 and Taylor at 850, or drop a little bit to Justin Jefferson yeah, and Travis safe, Kelsey? My safe money based off of this is Justin Jefferson. I think they always find a wide receiver that has really exploded, and I think Jefferson's going to be rewarded this year. Yeah, I think Jefferson leads the league in receiving yards this Agreed. year. Uh, defensive rookie of the year. Now we're going to talk about the rookies. Uh, Kenny Pick, or sorry, offensive rookie of the year. Kenny Pickett is the favorite at offensive rookie of the year at plus five hundred. Traylon Burks at plus seven fifty, and Zach or uh, Drake London at, at plus eight hundred. Uh, just quick rundown on your thoughts on the offensive rookies and yeah. who's missing from those lists. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. We kind of talked off air. Brees Hall, I think, could get a lot of attention with the Jets. They have a good offensive line going forward. I think he's going to get a lot of touches. Yeah, I don't think I'd take any money on Kenny Pickett, but I think I think Brees or uh, yeah, Brees Hall for me would be yeah. my favorite. Uh, lastly, defensive rookie of the year, Aiden Hutchinson at four fifty. Sorry, Jags. Uh, Kalen Thibodeau plus five hundred, and then Trayvon Walker at plus six hundred. Do you like? a guy on this list or would you take a guy off the list? Yeah, I'm going Hutchinson, take Walker off the list. You know my feelings on it, but I think Hutchinson is like a Bosa coming in. It's kind of predetermined in the season. As long as he covers sack totals, he's good. And there you have it. There are some future NFL bets from this off season. Uh, you know, gamble responsibly. Uh, if that's what you'd like to do, uh, we like to put a little bit of money here and there on it. So let us know what you want to see in the future episodes. we got some fun ones coming up in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned um, as always. Uh, Stay active on the socials. Reach out. Let us know what you want to hear. We appreciate the love and support. And as always, keep it sleazy. We're out.